Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining me on the From Nowhere to Somewhere podcast. My name is Luke Staten. The reason behind this creation is to share words of wisdom, hope and optimism through conversation that can show us just what's possible in life. I've been truly inspired by the words I have not only listened to, but deeply heard from the people I've shared conversations with. I hope you enjoy hearing how everyday people overcome trials and tribulations and when faced with adversity, find a way to use this to their advantage. Common theme throughout, from all the different guests on the series, from wherever they are from, whatever beginning, whatever background, is they all have a desire for more from life. They all want to live a life of fulfillment. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I do creating. Thank you for joining me. So what really excites me about Flo is in 2018, she made a decision. She made a decision to make a change in her life, to bring a better life for herself. And I'm really excited and intrigued to find out of how she made the decision and for what reason she made the decision too. Because often in life, we want more, but not many people are prepared to do what it takes to get more. We can talk a lot and we can be them, them kinds of, uh, we can have the mentality of I could have, I should have, I wish I had done. But when I hear stories about anybody in any, any walk of life that's made a strong, brave, courageous decision to get more from life, I'm always excited to hear why and how they did it. So Flo, welcome. Hello. You know, it's quite funny. The last time I was on a Zoom call and pretty much all the Zoom calls I've had have been me instructing workouts. So it's quite strange to jump on this one to just be talking. Can't well, promise like, there won't be the odd here and there. <laughs> I, I think that one or two of them will turn the cameras off if that happens and just pretend that they're doing it and not tell I us. It would be cruel in this heat. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us, Flo. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm warm, but I think the whole population is uh, is warm today. It's been a very hot day. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start. I'm gonna go straight in, Flo. And I had a, I had a talk with you prior, and I was really interested in your journey. So take us back to 2018 when you made a decision to become a fitness trainer and set up your boot camps. What made you make that decision, and how did you come to that decision? So, I mean, if I talk first about what got me into health and fitness, um, because I think a lot of people assume with a lot of personal trainers that it's just kind of something you've, you know, always done, always imagined yourself doing. Um, but there was a time that I was really overweight and unfit. Um, and my sister was getting married abroad. Um, and we got to the January 2018. And she was getting married in the May and I decided, right, I'm made of honour. Um, it was going to be in Mallorca. I thought, I want to get in shape, get myself feeling good. Um, so decided to do that, joined the gym, started cooking lots of fresh, healthy food, whatnot. And when we came back from the wedding, I felt great at the wedding, and we got back and I just decided it wasn't kind of the end of the fitness journey yet. Um, so I kept going with it. And then at the time, this was in line with me just having an office job. I just did admin. And um, I, was, I wasn't happy in the office work. And people always saying, they kept saying to me, you need to do something that you're passionate about. And they kept saying, but the only thing I'm passionate about is the gym and cooking and food and working out. Um, and it just kind of clicked at that point. So I started doing a course and I was doing this course whilst was working um, in the office. And then I'd thought about all these kind of different 
um, different ways of doing it, of kind of quitting my job gradually and going part-time or whatever. And then a few things happened in my life. Um, my nan, who I was really close at the time, um, fell really ill. And it was just this bit of a wake-up call of, do you know what, life's too short. And I hate working in the office. I love fitness. Sorry, I'm just going to do it. Um, so I, I quite literally um, walked out of that office and the next day I took on my first lot of clients and it has been now over two years and since that first week of training it's been fully booked ever since I've had a full book of clients I closed my waiting list quite a while ago now so um just because of the the demand for it I mean to be honest I didn't know I didn't really have much of an idea at the time as to whether it would take off um how easy it was going to be to get clients um so I just did the personal training um, for a while and then obviously lockdown um, hit. So suddenly face-to-face -face training became difficult. So then we moved on to Zoom. Um, and then that was kind of the start then of everything else. That's when I started doing the live workouts. So I think I'd mentioned to you before, I worked with some, um, some well-known brands, did some work with Pretty Little Thing, the clothing brand, um, with Food Spring, they're like a healthy food company, um, did some work with them, which meant then coming out of lockdown, my name had kind of got out there that bit more. So from there launched the boot camp, which is, that's my local area in the local park. And to be honest, it's just a great sweaty laugh. There's usually about 40, um, the max we hit once was 55 people. Um, just me at the front, no microphone, just me shouting to this big crowd of people um, and abusing them for 40 minutes. So <laughs> I'm still doing those boot camps at the moment and then running my um, PTs, my one-to-ones, my group sessions alongside that. And to be honest, it's just been a very, very crazy couple of years. It's That's only now, now, now that you started me asking me questions, it's kind of all unraveling and thinking, oh my God, yeah. Really I know it's really it's really <laughs> interesting when people start to ask you questions about why you started, what was the reason, where was it born from, and and funny enough, I've been in a similar situation as you today, where somebody was asking me for three hours, and I I started to get uncomfortable because I'm I'm quite often the one that's asking the questions, and now I was being asked the same questions that I asked, and it was taking me to all different places. And funnily enough, you mentioned your nan. I mentioned my nan today as being a catalyst of you know the the person that I am, and and yeah. why I why I do what I do so for what reason do you think do you, do you think that at that moment there when obviously with your nan that kind of made you really think life too short do you think you'd have made the move that you made without that happening I was ready to I was ready to take the jump I just think there's that fear, isn't there? And I think everyone experiences that, no matter how confident you are, no matter how much you believe in yourself, there is still that little bit of fear of what could go wrong. Um, but I just remember, I literally, and I know it sounds cliche, but I remember being sat in a hospital bed and just thinking, oh my God, you know what? The only thing really that goes wrong is I you know, quit my job, try and pursue my dream, and it doesn't happen. Well, if it doesn't happen, you know, I'll keep trying until it does, or I'll just go back to what I was doing before. I literally got to the point of thinking, well, what is the worst thing that could happen? And it really wasn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a no-brainer, and it was... I, I, I knew I just had to do it, which is funny because I think before then, I probably was quite a not cautious person, but it's since taking that first step that now I am so much with every, with a lot of things that I do, I say with most things, most things I do, I just go for it and I just say, well, you gotta just go for it in the worst case. And the, the worst thing that could happen often really isn't that much of a bad thing. 
it's really interesting flow that you say that because you know you're right fear holds us back from doing so many things and and it's just amazing that you've realized that at such a young age because some people don't realize that forever until it's the end of time and then it's way too late mm. you know and, and so since you realize that kind of and you've started to adopt that mentality of what's the worst that can happen and then actually go there's not that much because actually it's okay um what else have you started to kind of open your mind to and and have you started to see things in a different way since you've developed that kind of no fear mindset i think just the power of saying yes and some people will argue with this because especially now in terms of like mental health and setting boundaries and everything a lot of people say it's important to say no like you know uncomfortable situations and whatever but I honestly find the best things that have happened to me have happened when I've been out of my comfort zone um I remember when I mean when Pretty Little Thing asked me to do the workout and uh, the live workout for them originally I thought it was on their lifestyle Instagram page which is about 20,000 followers so that that was pretty daunting um I'd already done a few bits for them like done some videos and stuff but nothing live um it wasn't until a couple of days later that they actually went for their main page which was I think at the time it's about five million I think now it's a fair bit more than that um and I just, I, I, I literally, there was, there were moments where I just thought, what have I said yes to? Like, I'm so, so nervous for it, but I was so excited. I just thought, you know what? I went back in that place of walking out of the office and, you know, just taking the leap and thought, just do it. Again, what's the worst thing going to happen? Everyone watching is human. If something goes terribly wrong, if I break an ankle or something, then, you know. And it went anyway. well. <laughs> and, and, and it went well, which is an amazing thing. Yeah, but that was that was a bit like my boot camps as well, because when I first started the boot camps, a lot of the decisions I've made, I have have been not last minute as such, but I've just suddenly had an idea. And I am one of these people when I get an idea, I just run with it. I do go in full force. And when I thought about the boot camp, I didn't really know, you know, how many people I was expecting to come or didn't really know how much to charge, where to do it, whatever. And I just thought, right, no, I want to do a boot camp. I want to get people to get there. And I tell you what, that feeling of standing in a field and having nearly 50 people, which I know might not sound like a lot, but when you're just there and all those faces are looking at you and you say, right, everyone up, we're going to get started. And it just goes silent. There was just this moment of, oh my gosh. But it's the feeling afterwards. It's like that feeling after doing the live workout, the feeling after doing the boot camp. You cannot, I, I can never get close to that feeling without fully coming out of your comfort zone and just going for it. Brilliant. That's amazing. And I, I was once in the fitness industry flow. And the first time I did a fitness class, one person turned up. And this is this is just like, as you're talking, I'm rem reminding myself and you're absolutely flying to get 50 people because I, I turned up on the Thursday night. I hired the room, set it all up, practiced it on my own, turned up Friday expecting 30 people, a sellout. And one guy turned up called Tony and he was free because he worked in the gym. And he says to me, um, he goes, we, we, there's no point doing this is there because it's only me and I said no 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 I we're doing it there's one person because without doing it with the one person they never gets to two to three and so on exactly I've always thought like that though and at the start of lockdown when I first started doing the live workouts I mean the one I think I had 12 people show up on I mean at the time I thought wow 12 people watching me that's that's pretty cool um and then when 35,000 people was the final number for the pretty little thing one 
you know, it went from 12 to, you know, the numbers went up and up. And then with Pretty Little Thing, that then jumped all the way up, 35,000 people. And I think, well, if I hadn't had the confidence, if I hadn't have done those live workouts where 12 people showed up, and I mean, half of them were my family. There was my mom, my dad, I'm pretty sure my mom was just cooking dinner whilst like having me on in the corner. Um, if I hadn't have done those, then it wouldn't have taken me to the next one. And I think like with what you say about one person showing up, okay, you've got an option. You either go ahead, you do it. And then each week, another person might show up or you don't do it. And then it's never going to happen. So true. It's never going to grow without getting started, is it? And you, like you said there, you did it with 12 people. And before you know it, you've got 35,000 people. And if you don't get used to it with the smaller group, you're never going to get used to it with the big group. It's the same in everything. You've just got to get started. And I totally agree with that. Who was... Who was your role models? And I was going to say when you were growing up, because you asked, and I'm reminding myself of the age that you're at. And uh, when you was a child, who was the role models around you? Because you can clearly clear you've got lots of energy for life, lots of passion, lots of enthusiasm, and you, you've got the bravery and the courage. Is there any people around you that you go, do you know what? I can see where I've maybe got that from. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> My parents, definitely. I know a lot of people probably say that, but I have a really cool mum and dad. And um, my dad, my dad's always worked the same job. He's um, always done the same thing, but he absolutely loves what he does. I've never met like someone who loves their job as much as my dad loves his job. And he's a maintenance engineer. He works for a sewage treatment company. Um, so a lot of people wouldn't love doing that. Um, but he's always really loved his job. I've never been in an environment where I never had a parent come home from work and say, oh, that's been such a stressful day. You know, that's been, um, I've had to deal with blah, 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 blah. Like he's always come home after a really good day and spoke really passionately about what he's done and spoke about, you know, the people he's talk to or whatever um and my mom quite a contrast to that really so my dad's always been with the same company very happy with where he is very content with life as a whole uh, my mom has done loads of different things over the years um so she did a few bits when I was growing up and then she worked in marketing and then she'd always wanted to work abroad it had been a bit of a thing her whole life she'd grown up in South Africa so I think she had that bug to kind of get out see the world a bit um so she became a holiday rep in her late 40s, um, I was 16 at the time, and um, she went and worked for Thompson. Um, I think her first stint was in Menorca. So she was with like a lot of, when I say holiday reps, like literally like 18, 19 year olds, you know, doing shots and whatever, going on excursions, hungover, and there was my mom. Um, so she literally just, just jetted off and went and did her dream job for a few years. So she worked as a holiday rep for them, went to another company. Um, and then when she came back, she did a few bits and bobs. She came back because my nan wasn't very well. And she now has set up her own company um, where she upcycles furniture. So she um, like buys, well, she's mainly given pieces of furniture and she like paints them, does them up. So she's working for herself now. Uh, my sister, my sister's amazing. My sister works full time in a school, but then she also has a little business on the side doing um, events, like a candy cart, sweet cart sort of thing, a marquee. So I have really been surrounded by, I guess, entrepreneurs in a way. And my mom and dad have always been very, take the leap and do it. Like that conversation when I told them I was dropping out of uni, it never went well, are you sure you should have a degree because you need a degree to get where you want to be? Which a lot of parents do say to their children. They were very, yeah, go for it. We're here, we support you. Um, and they've always been like that with everything, which is so lucky because I've had a lot of friends 
complain to me about their parents yeah. and don't get me wrong they have they have their moments but they are extremely supportive and any wacky wild ideas that I've had they back me all the way I think the ultimate is what your dad's achieved there because it, it doesn't matter what job you do it doesn't matter how much money you earn I, I really believe that if you can get home at the end of the day and talk about the day of excitement enthusiasm and share the energy of what you've done you've found your thing, whatever your thing is, whether it's fitness, whether it's speaking, whether it's painting, decorating, laboring, it doesn't matter. It's coming home with that feeling of fulfillment and joy because how can you come home after eight hours of being unhappy and be a, a joy to be around? I just don't know if that's possible to transition yeah. for eight hours of the day for the next six hours when you're away can be that joy when you've gone through what you've gone through. And, and you can see that the moves that you've made, you you know, your mum's been brave in her late forties to go out and do something that kind of you could definitely imagine people around your mum's age saying, "What what are you doing that for? Why are you doing that?" And your mum's just gone after it, which is a brilliant thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people thought she was completely crazy at the time. Um, <laughs> so I was I was sixteen. Um, my sister had moved out. My sister was still only young. My sister um, was eighteen, and she had a baby at the time. She had my little niece. Um, so there were so many reasons for my mom to stay. You know, she had the family, my dad, um, she had everything here, but she just had this like literally like this thing burning in her to just go and do it. Um, so yeah, I've just been used to that sort of mentality of if you want something, why, why wouldn't you go and at least try and do it? And yeah, with my dad, I mean, a lot of people would think, why is he so content doing that job that he does? But honestly, People laugh because when when people say to him, oh, how are you? He says, I'm living the dream. That's like his line, living the dream. And he genuinely is. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't drive a fast car or anything. He's not into like material, material stuff. He's just very, very happy. And I think seeing that growing up has always made me think, well, whatever it is I'm doing. Because I never set out to do PT for money or anything. You know, you, PT isn't something you do for money. Um, but I've just seen where I wanted to be and I thought actually I don't want to be coming home at 10 o'clock at night and moaning to my partner about the day at work I've had yeah I yeah. mean don't be wrong sometimes I'm not coming home till late at night but at least I'm coming home with a smile on my face because I've had a good day yeah and I think that's so important to be able to talk about your day with excitement rather than moan about it is, is so powerful and you've been around that lots of people aren't around that so it becomes the norm to come home and moan about work where you've mm -hmm. heard your dad coming home talking about and and again, it's irrelevant of what anybody does. It's that feeling of doing something that make, that matters. And your dad obviously has that. How long has he been in the job, that job for? So he started as an apprentice at uh, 15 and he's just turned 53. I hope I've got that right. I hope he hasn't just turned 53. I'm pretty sure 53. Um, so what's that, 38 years? I, I was hoping you weren't going to ask me that because I was trying to work it out like this. But So somebody on here will know. So it was only 40 years. He's been with the exact same company that whole time. Phenomenal. So mm. tell me about now then. So tell me about kind of what, what a, a usual day looks like for you. So the usual day, alarm is about quarter past five in the morning, five quarter past five. And then first clients are about 6am. So before that, it's your typical kind of get up. I'm really trying to do um, a bit of meditational breathing first thing in the morning. Um, I'm now coming out of probably the most stressful period of my PTing. Like when I first set up, it was, it was stressful um, as anything is, especially when it's new. Um, so yeah, 6am is the first client. 
clients actually I train a lot of groups to get like a lot of people together as a group um, and then I'll usually have clients up until about midday I'll then go and exercise myself um, and then it's lunch and admin time so admin time is sort of planning the sessions um, catching up with clients a lot of just messaging and just kind of checking in with everyone making sure everyone's okay and then come sort of three four o'clock when everyone's back from the school run and um, then I head back out for the evening and that's usually kind of done by about seven eight o'clock um, and then that's kind of same again um and then thursday night is when i host my boot camp so thursday night i'll see my clients and then in the evening head over to the local park and that's going to see another 40 odd people and sundays are meant to be a day of rest but it's often a day of admin and doing bits and bobs um a lot of my clients now they're actually really good friends as well um i'm very very lucky so i see a lot of them um socially as well so I'm going to rewind the clock a little bit now. So I'm going to take you back to when you was a, well, it's, I say rewind the clock. You, you remember this better than many of the people that's <laughs> listening to this or especially watching live because I know the age group of the guys that are on. Take you back to primary school. What was you like? So this is always a bit of a shocker for some people. Um, but I mean, I've always, I was a confident child. Uh, my mom got me and my sister into um, I don't like to use the word modelling, but it was, we kind of did some pictures for things like, you know, the restaurant Harvester um, and there was an opticians and stuff. She worked in PR at the time. So me and my sister were kind of just used as the, well, I guess they didn't have to pay us to do this stuff at the time. Um, but I actually had a really, really tough time in primary school. Um, I was bullied terribly through most of my school time, actually, primary school, um, early secondary school. Actually, I actually moved schools when I was in secondary school. Um, and looking back now, I mean, of course, at the time, I just questioned what on earth is wrong with me? Like, why, why were people so awful with me? Why was I the child at school getting bullied? Um, but I think I was just, I, I was the one that spoke up and... I I guess maybe I was a little bit different to everyone else. I was confident. I was loud. Um, so it was a bit of a rough ride, really, primary school was. There were some good memories, obviously, but a lot of it just kind of felt like get through it to then get on to secondary school, really, which really surprises a lot of people. How did you cope with that? Um, well, again, my mum and dad were really, really good about it. Um, the school was rubbish. It was that typical move me out of the class move me away from everyone else um and I just kind of had to deal with it to be honest it was the local school I couldn't really go anywhere else at the time um and then when I went into secondary school uh, it got pretty bad in sort of a year about year eight year nine um into year 10 and that's when I actually moved schools um, because it got so bad the police were involved um I was assaulted it was awful I had a really really awful time um so it's yeah it was a bit of I mean I took I've taken so much from it now and actually anyone who I've spoken to since like I actually don't hold any and people I think some people probably think this isn't truthful but I actually don't hold any sort of anger or whatever because if anything I think well it's just made me more resilient and I can put myself in the shoes of like, I, I can't imagine being horrible to someone else because I know exactly how it feels. I think it's taught me empathy, resilience, um, and how to deal with people. <laughs> uh, and do you think that the, I mean, it's never the person being bullied 
ball and I think that's really important that everybody understands and, and I guess you don't know when it's happening to you, why it's happening to you or for what reason. But when you reflect now and look back, do you think it's because you had a little bit more about you in terms of being outspoken and having a voice and having that confidence that people kind of wanted to suppress that a little bit? Oh God, yeah, completely. I see that now. I used to, I didn't understand when, because when you were that age, you know, the adults will say to you, oh, they're just jealous of you. Oh, oh, there's this and there's that. And at the time you can't see that. You cannot see that at all. You're a child and people are constantly being horrible to you. But now I look back and see, especially in, you know, the kind of things they used to pick on. I mean, sometimes it would be like, you're too posh or you're too this or you're too that. Just ridiculous, just silly things. And it's, yeah, I guess I, look, I just think, well, I think it was a lot of people being sheep and just following other people. And yeah, I was, I was the confident one. If someone asked me to do something and I didn't want to do it, you know, when everyone else was kind of getting up to no good and I didn't want to do it, I said no. So I was then that person that was, oh, you're boring. Oh, you're this, you're that. Yeah. Um, what what no, advice would you give? Because there'll be people watching this that have got... got a 12 year old son so you know I'm in that position now where my nine-year-old is starting to come out with the odd thing that as a parent you're right you know you, you try to whether the little kids hearing this stuff very difficult for the child to believe what you say when they go to school the next day and they may be hearing other things so two things I want to ask you is number one what advice would you give to that you know nine-year-old flow a 10-year-old flow that's going through that what advice would you give the child well <sighs> I would say, first of all, it's not you. And, but it's so hard to say at the time, but it is not you. And I heard a quote recently, I've started listening to um, an Oprah Winfrey podcast. Um, and the quote was just saying, hurt people, hurt people. And it is so, so true. Often these people who are hurting other people come from a place of hurt themselves. And it's not you. How someone treats you is so much more about them than it is about you. And when you kind of, even if every single person in a school is being horrible to you, when you zoom out and look at how many schools exist and you zoom out on the planet to how many billions of people there are, you can deal with a few, even hundred people not liking you because you're not, you're not going to be people's cup of tea. My God, there are some people that don't like chocolate. Like how, (laughs) you know, there are certain, there are certain people that just won't like you. And there's certain people that will want to be horrible to you and you can try and fight it. And you can, you know, you can stand your ground. You can argue back, or you can just hold your head up high and get on with what you are doing and what you want to pursue because it's a waste of time, wasting energy on them anyway. Yeah. And like, and like you said, in and to think like that it's that when that little child's hearing it how they manage to think so maturely as we're taught would you have liked to have hear or what could you have heard from your parents from from a teacher that would have given you the comfort of it's not you it's them because i'm thinking now if my nine-year-old daughter comes home i can't relate to what she's going through because i've not been through it and, I, and i'm a boy so i don't know boys seem to not have that same way of bullying you know girls seem to have at that age that 
that nasty tongue. Often groups of girls are, are calling names, it's boys that maybe fighting and it's done. So what advice would you give to all of us that maybe got children at that age that are coming home with some challenges? What could we say? I think first of all, obviously there's the listening. I was really lucky that my parents just listened to me and they never dismissed anything that I said. Um, they, you know, they got on my level and they just let me talk and let me cry and explain everything. Um, but I think recognizing, because in that moment when people, if you're having a tough time and people are, you know, laying in, she's saying all these horrible things, remember all those positives, you know, speak positively about yourself. Like if I had a child now, I'd say, okay, well, maybe they have called you, um, you know, they've called you big headed or whatever, but actually that's because you're confident and you knew what you were, you know, trying to get across, whatever, and kind of turning those negative things into a positive and just reinforcing that fact that it's it's not you, it's those other people. And actually, it says something about you. If people go out their way to dislike you or say something nasty to you, they care, they're interested. They, they've got to think about what you're getting up to, what you're doing or whatever. They want some kind of involvement in your life. And because I know... Now I look back and can see the whole jealousy thing or whatever, but honestly, at the time, at the time when people say they're just jealous of you, it 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 doesn't really touch the sides. <laughs> yeah. Have you had any challenges kind of later on? So like now you've stepped out your comfort zone now. Oh, sorry, Luke. I think there might be a bit of a problem with your connection. I don't know if anyone else is getting that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've just frozen a little bit. When you were explaining your last thing, it was just a bit robotic. I could only kind of pull out a word here or there. Okay, I'll try again. Just if you can't hear me, just give it a thumb down. All right. Mm -hmm. So, have you been through any of them challenges as an adult that you went through as a child in terms of being judged and people being resentful and jealous of what you're looking to achieve now? Honestly, no. I've been really. I don't want to say lucky, but I'm, I'm quite grateful that I haven't actually come across that much in my adult life um, with, with what I'm doing now. Do you know, it's quite funny, actually, some of the people who really were quite awful to me at school have actually inquired about personal training with me. And I'm more than happy to do that now because it's, you know, we move on and we grow. Um, but it's, but then I think I'd, I'd handle it differently in, uh, as well in a way that, I think I'd recognise it straight away if, if I did see something like that starting or something, you know, someone being a bit toxic or saying something I didn't like, I think I'd know to just nip that in the bud straight away. Um, but in a way, I think what I do now is I'm, I'm kind of helping so many people. I like to think I'm helping so many people. Um, but 
I never really crossed paths with people that would be jealous, I guess, in a, in a way. There's kind of never really the opportunity for them to, well, get to me. The people I deal with are my clients and, you know, people who inquire to train with me. So when I was doing the, the stuff with them, um, when I was doing some live workouts with like the big companies, whatever, you get the odd um, like troll jump on there with some real bizarre insults. But I guess, maybe, again, like I said about making me resilient, like I literally just laugh that off now. There was all sorts. So it's like you know, you're fat, you're this, you're that. And I mean, it's brilliant that you don't even acknowledge it. You don't, you, <laughs> you, you, you'd not even thought about it until I'd asked you because you've just eliminated it because it's not important. And I think yeah. that's a really great skill and attribute to be able to eliminate the noise, put the, put the ca your noise cancellation headphones on and eliminate all that noise. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, I think, well, it's up to me whether I let it bother me or not. <laughs> it's up to me how I deal with, you know, those sorts of comments or whatever. And I just tell myself, well, you know, let it go over my head and yeah, don't let it bother me. So what's next? So you've done so well in such a short space of time and now your belief must be really growing. Like, where do you want to take it? What do you see this industry, the industry you want to stay in or what, what's the vision? How far ahead are you thinking? I can't imagine doing anything else now. And I especially cannot imagine working for anyone else now. I think being self-employed, which actually wasn't the plan to start with. I did think like a lot of personal trainers, I think you assume you kind of go into a gym, um, you know, you rent a space or whatever. It just kind of happened that I thought, you know what, I'll buy a few dumbbells, stick them in the boot of my mini at the time. So there was not much space at all. It was not ideal. Um, and I just thought, well, if I can do it mobile, not have any overheads, go to people's houses. I really liked the thought of that. I thought, go out, you know, see people at their house. It makes it easier for them. Um, so from here, I just, I, I see things growing, um, potentially having someone working for me under my kind of brand name. So Obviously, my name is Flo and I call myself Flow Fit, um, Flow Fit Personal Training. And I would love it to grow in the kind of style that I do now. A lot of what I do, it's not, it's not military style training in a way that I'm very much more of a lifestyle trainer. So a lot of my clients now have been with me since the very beginning. They've trained with me over two years. It's been all about creating a healthy lifestyle, doing something that works around you. Because let's face it, for a lot of people, especially if you're a parent, I train a lot of parents, I train a lot of new mums. It's patronizing to say, well, you can get to the gym if you make time for it. It's just priorities or whatever. No, I have been there. I've literally trained women who have got a baby in one arm, you know, a, a dog in the other, a nappy over here and trying to do a bottle over here. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So I just want things to keep growing from that. I'd love for the boot camps to get bigger um, and just grow and change people's perception about having a personal trainer and being fit and being healthy. It's not having a six pack and training six days a week and living off kale. I'm very much have fun. You know, it can be sociable. You can enjoy what you're doing. You can eat pizza and wine on a Friday night and just have that balance. And I can see kind of how the clients warm to you because you've got a really nice warm way around you that makes you feel comfortable, not judged. And often in the fitness world, there's so much pressure on everybody to, Get yeah. up at 5 a.m., run, jump, and look great and eat right. And if you don't eat right, you don't tell your trainer because they're on you. And, but it's not real life, is it? We all know. We, know. we all want to be healthy. We all want to be fit. We just, life does sometimes get in the way of certain things. And I think it's great that you have that attitude with people that you can eat the odd thing, and, but you can still be healthy and take care of yourself too. 
Oh God, definitely. And that's one thing I'm very much, I preach a lot of body confidence, especially recently. And I think there is a bit more of a movement for it now. Um, I will never be the six pack trainer. You know, I will never be the kale smoothie drinking trainer. It's just not me. And I think that's more relatable to people. You know, I exercise when I can, I eat well. But if I'm going on holiday, I'm probably going to put my feet up and drink some cocktails and enjoy the all-inclusive buffet. Um, and my clients, I, I would be confident to say all of them would say they've never felt judged by me. I mean, I really have witnessed it all. When, you're, when you come into someone's house and as I say, some of them have been with for so long now, I mean, I actually have keys to some of their like, houses and garages and whatnot. And I have watched their children grow up and... I, I really have witnessed it all. Um, we often joke that I'm also a therapy service as well, because especially over lockdown, it would be kind of like 40 minute workout and then a good sort of 10 minute vent and catch up and whatever. Um, but yeah, I like to think we're just kind of, I say we, it's just me at the moment. But then I say we, because I, I do feel like a big team, all my clients and my people that come to bootcamp, we are like a community, got them my flow fitties. I like to think it is a bit of a movement. It is getting everyone involved and not being scared to, you know, come along to boot camp or have an exercise session or whatever and just making everyone that little bit healthier, fitter and happier, I guess. So what do you do now then to step out of your comfort zone? Because you're clearly becoming very comfortable in the line of work that you do. You've got your clients, you've got your groups, you've got your boot camp. How are you going to stretch yourself to go to the next level? Because often we get into something and we get, we start, okay, I'm good at this now and I've got my confidence and then we don't go again. It's like, how are you going to stretch yourself even more? What's next? How are you going to grow yourself? Well, there's actually been a few things recently that I've just said yes to. As I was saying earlier, I don't really say no. I mean, this was one of them. <laughs> I thought, I've never really done this before. So yeah, why not? Um, but <laughs> I actually had another personal trainer. So I like to um, kind of connect with um, trainers in the local area and everything. Um, and I actually found that there's um, another PT. She lives a few doors down for me. Um, and she does another boot camp, a really big, successful boot camp. And um, she's asked me to cover it while she's on holiday. And at first I was thinking, oh my God, it's massive. It's completely different, different kind of clientele, pretty different structure. It's like, you know what? No, I'll do it. Um, so we went for a walk to kind of discuss a few bits and bobs. And I'm going to be hosting that next week. And it made me think, actually, like there's, there's something here, these, these big events. People seem to like to do it coming together. And someone joked about like a bit of a tour sort of thing where you travel around a bit, hosting boot camps. Um, you know, once your kind of name's out there enough that you could sort of go around the areas a little bit. Um, and that got me thinking because actually that's what the likes of say, Courtney Black, she's massive in the fitness industry. She did a bit of a tour with her boot camp and sometimes she only had 15, 20 people turn up to them. Um, but look where she is now. So just spreading that, definitely the group the big group style of training um I really want to grow with that um so I'm going to look into potentially doing more of those sorts of things and hiring a big venue um I'm also I've also agreed to do a charity boot camp in August um so that's going to have a lot of people there um people of all sort of ages levels abilities um so I guess almost flow fit collab with big events <laughs> amazing it's brilliant and you, and you can see that you, you're on that momentum you've got momentum now so you, everything that you're doing is moving you in the right direction because you're constantly looking for opportunities and new ways to keep developing yourself too and if I said now 
I took you back to when you was at primary school. I'm going to fast forward now to your you're the 80 year old flow fit. <laughs> so you, you know, you're now 80 years of age and you may or may not still be doing what you do. Who knows what the future holds? But just put yourself in that mind now of going forward to the age of 80. What's one bit of advice flow fit's eight year old self would give flow fit at 20? Do you say 24 you are now? 24. 24. What advice would she give you today for a better tomorrow? Oh, I think, she, it sounds silly, but I think it would be just stay, oh, I know it's a bit of a cheesy line, but kind of stay true to who you are, as in, I know I'm loud <laughs> and I'm often the loudest person in the room. And sometimes I know some people probably find that a little bit too much and a little bit overpowering, but I've got this far being exactly who I am you know, I'm clumsy. Sometimes I'm a little bit, you know, say things and I think, oh God. Um, so stay <laughs> tuned to exactly who you are because you don't want people to like a version of you that isn't you. You need people to like you. And you know what, if, and I'll keep trying for years and years and years and not everyone makes it big, but at least wherever I end up will be me being exactly who I am. Um, so yeah, I think ACR Flow Fit would say, keep being how you are and don't worry about what people think yeah yeah I, I I can relate to that what's something that you would like to accomplish before the age of 80 something what would be the biggest wildest dream for you really it would be and I vision this sometimes walking through like my big HQ my big kind of offices on the top floor overlooking the big flow for HQ gym um, and having, as I say, having grown a brand, I guess similar to something maybe like Gymshark, obviously that's clothing, um, but built a big brand that just stands for kind of happy fitness and happy lifestyle. Um, and yeah, a bit of a lifestyle brand, I guess. And I always, I always think about it. I always think about when I'd have a big company and how, how like what people would have working for me and what kind of boss I'd be. Um, so yeah, walking through that HQ, seeing my logo up on the wall and seeing happy staff, not the staff that look like they're sick to be there at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. And last one, what would 80 year old Flo Fit say that she's most proud of you for up to today? Oh, I think it would be not giving up and taking the leap when things were really, really tough. And I could have quite easily just sat back and thought, now's not the time. It's, you know, things are hard. Cause at the end of the day, life's hard, but <laughs> you may as well make the best out of a bad situation. And it was that initial leap, that initial leap of just leaving the job and doing it. None of this would have happened if I hadn't have done it. I would have still been in a job that, you know, maybe I wouldn't have hated, but I wouldn't have got the kind of fulfillment that I get from what I do now. And I think everybody listening to this, whether there people are watching and listening live or people listen to this or watch this when it's kind of pre when it's recorded, I think I certainly can see how you've been so successful because of the energy that you bring to all that you do. And that is just great because the more people that we have in the world that are passionate and have an energy and a desire to do something more than 
where we are to stretch themselves, to grow, to get out of comfort zone. And you're doing something that's great because you're bringing more joy to other people's lives too. So the more people that you meet, the more people that you're around, you're going to have that infectious influence and that energy on them too, which is going to improve their lives, which is an amazing thing. And as you're visualizing and talking about that arena, the HQ with your own brand, it like right now it sounds like this big fantasy of a dream. However, I sit here thinking I can imagine that happening for you because you've gone from working in Argos of what you told me earlier, working in Argos, and then you're working in a job that you were just doing a job to setting up your own business and managing to ride the storm of COVID to come out the other side. And, and it's been brilliant listening to the support that you've had from your family because not everybody's fortunate to have that network. So part of the reasons that I create the programs I do is to give people that foundation of that support that encourages them that they can go on to live the life that they want to live. They can achieve their dreams just because you didn't start in a privileged position. It doesn't mean you can't go on to great things. And I think it's amazing that you can look at your dad and see what joy he's had from his work and your mum having the courage and bravery to go and work for Thompson's and go, you know, not down in shots, but selling shots or taking people on bar crawls. It's just brilliant. So you've had the opportunity to see it growing up. And I can see and feel just listening to you that there's no doubt in three to four to five years that when we hopefully kind of have these conversations again, it will just be mind blowing of how far you've gone. And I can also see you on a stage talking and sharing your life and your experiences because lots of young girls and boys, but especially young girls that will be going through what you went through really could do with hearing how you overcome that because bullying in school is, is, is not good. And we know words can be very damaging and leave scars for many years to come. And I think it would be great for you to, to share your story to more young people also. So from me to you and all the group watching and listening, thank you. Thank you so much for listening and being part of the From Nowhere to Somewhere podcast. I'd be really honored, grateful, and super appreciate any shares and subscribes possible. Please give this to any family, friends, and loved ones anywhere in the world that you feel could take value from what you've just heard too. Thank you so much for your support. I look forward to speaking to you real soon on the next episode. From me to you, have a wonderful day. Take care. All my love, energy, inspiration, Luke Staten.